What makes leaders tick? In the Arena podcast delves into the inner workings and personal dynamics of leadership. We'll shine a light on the life-shaping experiences and perspectives of leaders who have navigated adversity and moved their organizations and themselves forward. Defining moments, lessons learned, and points of inspiration provide a roadmap for these conversations of a lifetime. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you're tuning in. Uh, we have another wonderful guest joining us today in the arena, and that's Dan Kreps. He's the superintendent of Rossford Schools. Dan grew up in Rossford, Ohio. Here in his undergraduate degree from Wittenberg University, and he did his graduate work and attained his teaching and administrative credentials from the University of Toledo. His educational path includes being an elementary and junior high teacher, a junior high assistant principal, an elementary school principal, and since 2013, the superintendent of Rossford Schools. Dan, thanks for carving out time and your really, really busy schedule to let us kind of delve into your, your, your path. Absolutely. Appreciate the, the kind introduction, Brad. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're doing this interview at an impressive facility called the R. Um, and it is, you just gave me a tour of it. We're going to talk about that um, a little bit later. But sure. it just feels great sitting here talking to you in this wonderful community asset that has come to fruition. So more about the R uh, later. Mm -hmm. But you know one of the really unique aspects, Dan, about you is that you're leading a school district that you grew up in. And I'm going to yeah. enter that phase of your life with uh, Chris, your wife. Right. Now, you and Chris have been married how many years? 33 years. Yeah. 33 years. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but one of the unique aspects is that you and Chris were high school sweethearts. That's correct. All yeah. right. So um, how did you and Chris meet, and what was your first date? So uh, actually, we grew up on the same street, right? Oh, on neighborhood <laughs> friends. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, uh, you know, she went to the, to a parochial school during elementary, and uh, so she came back to Rossford as a freshman. And we really, you know, as we started out as friends. So um, walked into an English class at that time, and she was already seated with a friend of hers. And I went in and had taken a seat, and she said uh, to me, you, you know, I don't bite. You can come back <laughs> here and sit. There was a chair open in front of her, so I went back and sat down and so uh, a great friendship started there um, and then we you know just hung out together at games and athletic events school events obviously and then um, w actually our one of our first dates was a homecoming dance and that was that kind of was a disaster <laughs> to be honest because what and you uh, were a freshman sophomore uh, a sophomore at this point and uh yeah and so that was a disaster because we were so used to just being friends i was uh, admittedly a, a little bit awkward around <laughs> around her so um when we were thinking about perhaps the relationship going in maybe a different direction, right? So anyways, um, long story short, you know, we, we continued to talk and visit and, and uh, became even greater friends. Um, I spent then 
the next eight years of my life convincing her that I was the guy. The I, I'm, st- I'm still working at that, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, so we dated. We dated until we we uh, were married. Um, you know, when I was 24, we were both 24 years old. She's a little younger than right. me. You're on younger, so. Yeah, and so the rest is history. Here we wow. are. It's a great history. <laughs> it is. And you have it how is. many kids? We have four kids. Um, our oldest, Madison, graduated from Ohio State University. She is uh, talent acquisition for Cardinal Health in Columbus. And she and her boyfriend just uh, were engaged while we were on vacation mm-hmm. this summer. So we're excited for her and, and um, Tyler, our future son-in-law. Uh, next year and then we have a son uh, Colin who graduated from University of Toledo this past um, December and he is working full-time for Lubrizol in their computer engineering department there and then we our two youngest we have a son Griffin who's a senior in the architecture program at Miami University and I know that's you know a competitor of yours but and our youngest uh, daughter Rowan uh, who is a sophomore also at Miami, and she's in biomedical engineering. So I don't, that's all from mom. Oh, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a team effort. That's a great uh, summary of the Krebs family. And what a great uh, beginning here right at, at, at Rossford. And mm-hmm. again, the uniqueness of you being uh, leading a school district you grew up in, but then also finding your wife and then obviously your kids coming, right. coming from that. So let's stick with you as a kid. Besides being awkward around Chris, <laughs> what what were what type of student were you? What were you into interest-wise? And well, athletics um, was the big focus for me growing up. I had two older brothers that were both uh, at great athletes. Um, when we get together now, admittedly so, they were both much, much more talented athletes than myself. But that was always kind of the driving force in our home, really. The, uh, the young, I'm the youngest of five, highly competitive atmosphere, healthy competition, <laughs> um, but uh, nonetheless competitive and a uh, great deal of pride that went into the family name. What sports were you into? Uh, basketball, cross country, and track. Mm. Um, so, you know, great coaches throughout, just a a great experience here. In fact, I think we may have talked at one point or another, you know, that was a, a motivating factor for me was, um, I had such an outstanding experience here while I went through Rossford schools that a motivating factor for me when I went into education was to kind of duplicate that. Obviously it would look different. Um, in terms of, you know, what kids' interests are and, and areas of study, et cetera. But uh, the base was, you know, I'd had such a great school experience here with Rossford Schools. The teachers I had, the coaches I had, everybody, the community at large is just a phenomenal place. And so that was a driving factor to give back. Yeah. Um, in a, in a way that I thought I could contribute. So that's what we're doing. Dan, uh, was there a teacher, coach, administrator that really had a lasting impact? Obviously, uh, the, the teaching staff in general. Was there one that really stood out for you? Man, that's a tough question. Um, so many. One that really stood out for me um, was Mrs. Hollida. She was my sixth grade teacher. Um, was just a phenomenal instructor very patient um and then um 
a firm but fair individual and uh, I lived nearby within walking distance of the elementary um, and she would always take the time after school I was admittedly a little slow getting out <laughs> packing up my book bag and she always took extra time to talk to me on a personal level as opposed to kind of that teacher student level and uh, was really uh, an inspiring person she was tremendous tremendous person um, and so that would be one that definitely sticks out mm. in my mind. Um, athletically, of, co of course, um, you know, Coach Joe Stalma, legend here, legend. was, uh, yeah, just another person that um, was going to get the best out of you, was going to push you both personally and athletically, kept an eye on you academically, um, and had high expectations for all of his players, both on the court and in the community. Do you have an example of high expectations to just define that? How, what does that mean from Coach Stalma? Well, you know, the big thing was you just remember that when you come out and you're wearing, um, you know, whether it be the Black R, Rossford, or the Bulldog uniform and your name is on the back, you're representing the school district, obviously, um, with your actions and your words, but also your family name is on there. So um, you don't want to do anything to embarrass your family, first and right. foremost, and especially not, you know, the school district or the program. And so that, uh, yeah, that's something that resonates and sticks with me. For sure. <laughs> what was your first job as a teen? Well, I was cutting grass for some folks. Um, the McKinney family is their name, and they had a house. Mrs. McKinney is, is still resides there, and it was a steep slope down to uh, the back of the back of their yard was a steep slope. I used to cut it with, uh, you know, cleats on. Right. Um, so that was the first job, and, and she and her husband were, again, terrific people. It was great working for them. I also used to deliver papers, so my older brother actually had the route, but he always seemed to have something else going on. Um, what so, paper was it? Uh, it was the blade. Blade. And, um, yeah, and so my dad and I would split the route and deliver the papers. Was that um, a morning or after? It was afternoon, afternoon, afternoon route, yep. And, you know, he would just give me the houses I needed to deliver. He would take the others. And then, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, it's interesting, there was a, there's a street in the community called Lorraine. We would, we would split the street and then we'd get to the, so his challenge was you deliver the papers and then we race back up to the other end of the street. I don't ever remember beating him. <laughs> <laughs> he could move, uh, so that was always fun. And, you know, he'd have me riding the bicycle and dribbling the ball uh, while, you know, while delivering the papers. So a lot of other things going on besides just delivering the Some paper. great quality time there, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. At the time, it didn't seem that way, but, you know, <laughs> so sure. You know, so as a superintendent, um, you're always asking kids to be thinking about what they want to do with their lives. Mm -hmm. So when you were in high school, what, what did you envision yourself doing? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to have this great uh, career as, as a disc jockey um, and uh, or in music of some sort. You know, the ideal would always be a rock star, but I was not at all musically inclined. I admire those people for that, but I, that wasn't me. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be a disc jockey. 
Um, what stations were you listening to as a high school? Oh, WIOT FM 104, right. right? So it was the big one for sure. I, that may have been the only one that I listened to um, until going to college and listening right. to more alternative stations. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of the goal. I envisioned myself having a show in New York City someday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, but as life would unfold, it, it turns out that that was much different than I envisioned it to be. Well, when you were a teen, the, the DJs were big. Oh, man. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about the music uh, more. So um, when you went, you decided to go to Wittenberg. How did that mm-hmm. decision go? How did you decide going there? And how was that experience, Wittenberg University? Yeah, so I was um, initially introduced to Wittenberg University through basketball. Um, you know, I was contacted by, at the time, Coach Larry Hunter. He's since passed away. But um, there was some conversation there and it and playing at Rossford. And so... Um, my dad, my parents took me to a visit at Wittenberg. I'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. Um, but the campus was just absolutely beautiful. And um, my, my oldest sister and her husband, I knew, lived just a few miles away from the campus. So that was, would be a nice thing if I need some help there, yeah. right? But um, I was also really interested um, in, you know, the whole array the liberal arts program mm-hmm. there, um, and it felt at home. So that's kind of what uh, what drew me there. Uh, we went through and did an interview there um, and was accepted and then went there. It was a great, great place. I've always cr- I'll always credit Wittenberg with the place that really taught me how to think differently mm-hmm. and certainly how to write. I mean, you had to write there. And... Uh, they exercise that writing muscle quite a bit at, at Wittenberg, but uh, forever grateful for those two things coming out of Wittenberg. And Dan, you graduated from there, and if I'm understanding your career path, is that when you took the, the position with the radio station in Pennsylvania? Right, right. So yeah. describe what part of Pennsylvania <laughs> and, the, and the station and what your duties were. Yeah, so you weren't a DJ. No, Dang. so going back to that dream, right, uh, uh, of being a DJ, I was at the college at Wittenberg had a, has a small uh, station, WUSO, and I was a overnight DJ. I think I don't like, think what anybody was. Your time? Listened, like, right? It was it was crazy. It was like twelve to twelve to four a.m. or something. And, and did you have total latitude on the on the songs? You there you did. Yeah, you could. You could, you know, you had to do your station recognition for FCC purposes, but you could kind of put together your own playlist. So I had some some albums I had brought from I had brought from home. I had a buddy um, that had a great selection that he loaned me a bunch of them, and I'd carry the crate into the studio. So you actually had turntables. You played. Yes, yes, oh, we're going way back, huh? And. Um, and so we'd do our stop downs, but you could do your show however you wanted, which is the way I anticipated it would be in the in the commercial radio world. Quite different, but uh, anyways, um, had an opportunity with a with a station in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, that I had learned about through a staff member at Wittenberg University, and so interviewed. But I was hired there just to do advertising mm-hmm. sales, and I thought, well, th- I can get my foot in the door. Right, and then maybe 
they'll recognize me as and a, you want to be on air as an air so that yeah. was the purpose yeah i like that yeah 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 so I, I have to start somewhere so um went there uh there were some great um disc jockeys there from buffalo that worked in erie pennsylvania they would allow me to do some kind of on-air bits or use voices to to do some some commercials you bo- they threw you a bone yeah yeah <laughs> the craziest thing about it was that um the quote-unquote studio was actually an old house that was there and um they were converting it they just um you know gotten a licensing portion for that radio station and they were to start building the actual studio in this lot next door to the house mm-hmm. so we were um, recording and everything out of this old creaky old house <laughs> and it was it was kind of fun it was it was it was a lot of fun so all right so I take it that it you didn't get the big moment where you, you had a time slot so how how long did you do the marketing sales piece for that you know that wasn't terribly long Brad that the station one of the things I found out that at that time at least was common practices that license had been purchased and sometimes new new management teams want to change the format of the station they purchase the rights they basically come in and lay off or let go all the staff um and bring in their own people with their own station format and that's kind of what happened so i was in erie less than a year before returning here back home right um and talking to different people um i discovered that that was somewhat routine practice uh and it wasn't you know all the glory and that i originally thought so yeah um took did some sales jobs um in the area in the interim before you know to turning deciding to turn to education so what was the catalyst for that the the pivot to education so as i was trying to find myself and direction now that uh that I knew that wasn't going to be the way I wanted to go. I, I was actually uh, working for a program here in Rossford again, the Rossford Recreation Director at the time, Pat Tisdale, um, Pat Sloan now, and she was willing to uh, take me on as an employee there and had a lot of great experiences. There was a group of kids that, uh, from underprivileged settings that we worked with to give some work experience, and I would oversee that group. Um, just a great, great experience there working with kids. So I thought that started to, you know, kind of churn in my mm-hmm. in my head. And we were um, in my um, my my parents' house in in the kitchen one one Christmas holiday, uh, and. Uh, my brother, who's now a retired educator, said, you know, Dan, I really think you ought to look into education. I think that might be mm. something you could do and you'd be good at. And so I did. So um, that was some of the best advice that I'd ever received, you know, um, that he kind of gave me that nudge. And, uh, yeah, so that was the turn and it, best thing I ever did. Uh, best thing I ever did. And you got your first job in Sylvania. Right, and you did some elementary and junior high. So, if you think back to those classroom days, Dan, what do you enjoy about that the most? Or was there an experience or a moment, or what did you what did you like best about the classroom? Ah, uh, there was a lot. Um, you know, I just enjoyed the daily interactions with 
with the students. Um, the instructional part, of course, was serious and enjoyable and all of those things, but just talking to the kids, kind of finding out what their interests were. Um, even as a principal, my favorite part of the day was when the kids were coming into the building, right, for the start of the day and hanging out right. by their lockers. And so just connecting with, with younger kids and seeing what their interests were, if they were having a good day, or how you can try to help those kids that maybe weren't having such a great day. Um, that was kind of my favorite part. Yeah. Um, so you had the enjoyable part, but at some point you made the decision you wanted to go to the administrative route. Yeah. Uh, still enjoyed teaching. It wasn't an instance where I was, ah, you know, I, this isn't for me or I'm not feeling this anymore. It was really just what's next? How can I impact education on a, on a bigger scale? What's the trajectory there? Talking to people like yourself um, and others in administration at the time and kind of getting a feel for let's do this and maybe see how we can have a broader impact, right? Um, and that appealed to me so that it just seemed natural. It felt, it felt right. Right. And uh, so that's what, what it, the way it happened, I guess. <laughs> and you had a, a, a good stint as a building level administrator. Mm -hmm. And then the jump to the superintendency. Mm -hmm. Did you, when you were a building principal, did you aspire to be a, a superintendent or did the Rossford opportunity come and you started considering it then? Uh, I had aspirations all along. Okay. And so I was trying to figure out what would be the next step there. Um, I was a building principal in Perrysburg at the time, had talked to our mutual friend, you know, Superintendent Hostler next door at Perrysburg, but um, was planning in that direction, had gotten my superintendent license, and then the opportunity here became available, um, opened up. And um, so that's when I thought this would really be a great opportunity to, as I said, you know, kind of contribute, give back. Mm -hmm. I knew it would be a tall order, and I knew that I had to convince people to take a risk, if you will, of going from an elementary building principal to the superintendency. In many instances, or in a lot of people's minds, it's kind of a, a quantum leap. Sure. But, um, you know, when you have a great support system, you have good people around you, you feel more confident uh, in being able to do that, but you knew you had to you had to convince and then you had to deliver. Did so. you feel extra pressure? Because there's intense pressure in the superintendency, but because you returned home, did you feel an extra burden initially? It goes both ways in my mind. Yeah. So there is an intense pressure because you are going back home and you know the expectations, you know the people in the community, and you going back, you know, your name is on this yeah. thing. Um, and you want to do what's right by kids, more important. Uh, than anything you you want to give them that great experience and exposure and prepare them for the next step so there was a lot of pressure there absolutely but there's also a great sense of relief so you know you can't do this job without people behind you and supporting you and understanding kind of your thought process especially when there are difficult decisions that need to be made uh, so you know that those people are there to support you and that's that's somewhat comforting to know you have those people at your back when there are tough spots to yeah, go through. For sure. So you're 10 years into this, right? Yeah. 10 years. 
like when you're talking to new parents that are considering coming here or just kindergarten parents, what do you describe, what, how, what do you tell them? What do you want them to experience? What ultimately do you want students and families to experience here at Rossford? We, we want them to know that their kids are going to be safe, they're going to be cared for here, and we're going to give every opportunity we possibly can for them to explore their interests discover who they are and where they may want to go uh, in life and that uh, I, w I especially want them parents uh, to know that you know every day the staff gets up and gives it everything mm -hmm. right I do feel um, comfortable saying that you know sometimes there are people that question you about that um, and I can assure them with a clear conscience that that's what's happening every day in our buildings so yeah, that's wonderful what do you enjoy most about the superintendency i think working um particularly with the administrative team and um determining a vision and then executing with direction how how here's our vision here's the direction here's how we want to get there how do we get there with our team knowing that it's everybody right, right. students staff community um, but the big thing for me is um, the thinking component of it. Um, it it's important that we take time and set time aside given kind of the the you know the speed and the busyness right. of everything but I really like the thought process part of it creating a vision and then um, you know setting direction and saying okay giving your people uh, empowering them to say this is the way we're going yeah yeah what about the challenges what um what are some not so fun things part of the job <laughs> well i think there are a number of things that you know we could talk about um but you know sometimes you have challenging issues that you need to face uh, with respect to personnel mm -hmm. Um, so you work very closely and to build strong rapport with your staff, but there are times perhaps that something is not working right or it isn't, um, you know, the way the district direction should be going or perhaps there's a policy misstep. So those are never pleasant. But, um, you know, early in the career it came in and we were struggling financially and we had to make some big decisions on personnel and programs. That's one that I... Yeah. you never feel good about um and then you know uh being open right is uh you know the political climate today is very challenging and uh trying to convince people that your focus is on the students and giving them uh an unbiased view and we're just trying to prepare them educationally yeah. um and so when the political aspects the current division uh that's going on right now when that bleeds into the academic setting that i like to think of as sacred mm -hmm. right that that's tough um because people will manufacture things that are completely untrue or they come from a point where they don't really know the staff member they're talking about they don't know who they are as a person they haven't been there and what transpired um uh, their mind is very fixed sometimes it's not it's not a common thing but when those situations do crop up they're incredibly challenging yeah for sure 
So the uh, the bond issue, what year that was that? Did that pass? Uh, okay, I think it was uh, eighteen. Eighteen. So we're yeah. sitting here in twenty twenty three, start up of the twenty three twenty four school year. You drive around Rossford, and one of the most distinctive aspects of the community now are the bu- school buildings. Mm-hmm. The downtown campus, the junior high and the high school, the administrative building, uh, the elementary school right outside here, this mm-hmm. great facility we're sitting in, and then you have the R. Then you have the athletic facilities. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use the word transformative, and I'll let you take it from there. Because this from someone driving around the community, it's impressive. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of a worst to first thing is what we like to say. Um, You know, when you talk about community pride, and I work and happen to be, you know, grew up with the mayor here, (laughs) Mayor McKinnon. So that's no secret that we're great friends. Again, also grew up on the same street um, and hung out with one another growing up. So, um, you know, we just knew that it could be better, that things had slipped due to economic factors in the community. Um, you know, the large LOF plan at the time downscaled, um, and we were hurting for a long time. And so um, that, of course, sets the stage for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, um, but getting people to believe in themselves and this is what can happen. And we just, again, set a vision Here's the vision. Here's what we need to do to get there. Um, and now let's do it. And we're not going to let, we know there are going to be obstacles and challenges that we're going to have to work through. But there's a deep resolve uh, personally and in the community, mm-hmm. uh, along with the mayor, that we're, that I think being raised in this community, we, we understand it. We're going to do this. We're just going to figure it out and, we're not going to be stopped. And I think that's that where we're at right now seems to be the result in large part to that kind of resolve from everybody. I uh, was talking, you know, in some of your committee groups, and this goes back to before we started all the, the bond and the building and everything else. It's like, you know, I think that people are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, our facilities were really in challenging shape that we couldn't deliver um, the thing that our staff, you know, that educational experience that our staff is capable of delivering and they were getting shortchanged and naturally the kids as well. So we, uh, you know, we said we're turning this around and now let's take it to the next level. So now we're, the R is a big part of let's go to the next level and, uh, you know, we're continuing to look to the future. Talk about the R, because we're sitting here. You just gave me a tour before we sat down, and I've never seen anything quite like this. And uh, the opportunities that are going to come to the athletes and um, the technology aspects and uh, the STEM opportunities, Mm -hmm. the eSports, and just a gathering space for the community. Um, How did this idea start? Because this is a very, very innovative facility well i remember somebody told me hometown boy with a worldwide view does that sound familiar it does sound familiar yes (laughs) right so um but the board has always had um a you know a focus 
let's expand opportunities, let's ex expand student options. We know those are changing along with many of the interest levels like, you know, eSports yep. um, and the STEM, STEM instruction. So we, um, when we, f even probably before we finished um, the downtown campus and we opened that in January of 20, um, the preceding fall was the elementary. We just have always been thinking, how do we broaden the experience for our kids to make sure that we give them every opportunity to, um, again, explore interests, learn, strengthen skills, um, and be ready for the next step. And so that's kind of the, the general starting point for what this facility then became. Um, you know, during the tour, we, we talked about, you know, we, we didn't want the emphasis to be solely athletics. Athletics are unquestionably an important part of the student experience for those students that are interested. But we have all these other activities that kids want to be involved with, marching band, drama club, um, whatever that may be. And how do we keep them engaged um, and offer them an opportunity to take off and find it and, and go to the next level with it, you know? Right. So how do we inspire um, these kids to, to, to do that? And so that was kind of the impetus to put this together. And obviously you had a lot of people uh, with some creative minds that came together in a very visionary way to put together this multi-purpose uh, uh, facility. It's not open yet. There's still uh, workers behind us here that are putting things together. Right. When's, when's the anticipated opening that, that so the school community and... Yes, so the, we had an open house a couple yeah. weeks ago, but the, we're going to be evaluating where we're at um, with our builders here in another week or so. Um, to see exactly when yeah. we we really want you know absolutely no later than September end of September is what we're thinking yeah. um, you know and we're confident we're gonna we're gonna be able to accomplish that so yeah. we'll obviously um, we want to get our our student programs and activities that's going to be the initial focus um, you know we have a software scheduling program you and I talked a little bit about so we want to get our kids in here and using the space. And then uh, we're looking at some dedicated time to have our community be able to come into the field house portion mm -hmm. um, and use that for the walking track and cardio equipment. Um, and then, you know, that this is something that's going to have to continue to evolve, how we continue to use sure. it. Um, but we, we're going to, we're looking to get some more permanent instructional programs also in here. So as opposed to, Right now, we're just starting with after after school clubs, or a teacher plans a unit where we'll have transportation shuttling kids. Um, the next step we're looking to is to have full time teachers here, so the kids potentially would just report here as part of their regular school day, first period mm -hmm. or last period, or whatever that may be. Uh, we're looking at some different opportunities to pair up STEM programming with just say health and PE. Uh, so, um, and that's going to be, the, that's going to be the next step. Yeah. Well, kudos to you, the school board, the, uh, larger community and, uh, elected officials, business community all rally behind us to 
create an incredibly exciting facility. Oh, thank you. And, uh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of generations of great um, experiences and memories that come out of this facility for sure. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes for the Rossford community. Yeah. Uh, everything good, anything meaningful or important is not easy. So it's always hard, right? So mm -hmm. let's go back to the weight of the job, the weight of the superintendency. How do you deal, Dan, with the natural conflict, uh, setbacks, challenges, disappointments, even the just kind of the moments of doubt? How do you deal with those as a leader? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I well, you know, I besides crawling underneath your <laughs> <laughs> desk and wait for the storm to clear. <laughs> right. right, right. You know, I part of it, a big part of it, is to go back to you know, yeah, I have a great supportive family. Um, in the community, so many supportive people that really, um, you know, understand the vision and are, are part of it and are rooting for you. So knowing that you have friendships and people in your life that, uh, that support you, that's the biggest piece for me personally, to know that there's a support network there. Um, you know, my wife and kids, watching them succeed is a huge moment for me whether it's graduation yeah. or a program that is a moment to kind of um focus on them it grounds and you yeah 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 um and music you know music has has always been we we share we share a love for music so that's always been also a really i just find it can be transformative you mentioned in yeah. so many different ways that that music plays an important part in my life too. Um, I'd like to say fitness. I do try to stay fit, but I can't. I do <laughs> stay active, but not as active as I probably. Well, you got a facility be. now. There's no excuses. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> uh, what about uh, you know? Part of the job, obviously, is making decisions. Mm -hmm. If you think back over your career, and it could be even a personal decision, what what would you consider to be one of the more difficult decisions that you had to wrestle with, but you had to make a decision? Well, it goes back to a, um, one of my first couple of years on on the job here, and we were in a tough spot financially. Uh, an operating levy had just failed, um, and you know we had we had to make some reductions that was the toughest one that you just you know you're impacting people their families that's yeah, student programs that's student experience oh yeah, yeah what then yeah um those all had huge impacts and uh that's um that's the toughest i think that's the toughest part you know you, snow days certainly in in inclement weather is always one of those that you take you know has great implication and consequence that you think through very carefully before you make a decision there but the one that stands out for me was those were some heavy 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 moments. yeah right. yeah if you look back on your life dan what what struggles did you have to overcome i have always had such great people around me um you know i guess uh, getting people to trust in you and, uh, you know, believe in you 
has always been an obstacle in every situation whenever you meet somebody new yeah, right um but um you know uh building your self-confidence too right so there is those moments where when you are in front of a group of people and it's you yeah. <laughs> right you certainly have that network we talked about that's so important but um it's it's uh early on it's it gets easier with experience yeah. um but you know when you're standing in front of a room full of people and you're you're delivering the message you know you can't i can't say that when you're standing back there or you're waiting to be introduced that there aren't some moments where there are butterflies especially if the deliver news that um isn't great right or it's not going to be well received by uh, mm -hmm. the audience because uh, you're you're picking the best of the worst choices <laughs> bad choices right <laughs> yeah 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 so those are some things to uh kind of you know wrestle with and uh it's something that's part of the job too yeah. you, you understand that yeah. we all understand that in any in any career that there are those moments and uh again you just you know, you have to just buckle up and get through them. Right. <laughs> Defining moments. Is there a event, a decision, a situation, an exchange that occurred in your life that put your life in a certain trajectory? Uh, you know, I, t I mentioned the one um, where my brother said, I really think you ought to go into education. Mm, right. That was certainly one of them. Um, but it's always been kind of, um, you know, a natural progression, it seems, right? Um, a lot of people over, over conversations, and I think um, that you just listen to the advice they give you carefully, right? I remember uh, when I was um, working in, uh, I was working for the Foot Locker in between there, between radio gigs, and uh, they, had a, they had a great uh, training program at the time right and so I was a part of that program which was wildly beneficial to me again would be another thing but I remember you know kind of I guess I was feeling sorry for myself mm -hmm. or something and um, you know my parents especially my mom said I don't know what you're whining about you know <laughs> you, you you're every bit as prepared you know think more highly of yourself yeah just do it you know you're you're perseverating you're worrying you're and instead of just putting your head down and getting in there and going after it you know when are you going to start standing up for yourself kind mm. of thing it was said in a very caring tone um but that was a pivotal moment too like quit feeling sorry for yourself and you're every bit as good but you have to take action yeah. you know you can't just talk about it Man, mom brought it, didn't she? She, <laughs> she brought it. Did. She did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Dan, is there a historical figure that you really admire? I, you know, I thought about that question when you when you had asked, and um, you know, I I think more of the local people, mm. right? I, um. I, of course, a, a natural, if you, you know, you said historically, I go back to, you know, um, the presidency. I mean, President Lincoln, what he must have been, what yeah. must have been going through his mind um, and how he brought the country th 
through that unbelievably challenging part, uh, President Truman, you know, all of those uh, make me think, wow, that's, you talk about pressure. Yes. Right? Um, so I think historical feature uh, individuals, I, you know, I admire many of them and I think about them often, but I don't, I, I think more about the people locally uh, or that I have um, more frequent contact with, I think about them more often. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It does, Dan. <laughs> what about a book that's left a lasting impression on you? So I recently read James Clear's Atomic Habits, right? Um, and that's one that, you know, I think was a healthy reminder. You know, he talks about stacking, um, how you start, how you start, you can start little. Small, um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be this big, grandiose thing. Um, you can start small and then just stack those habits, and the power they have um, is really powerful. And then he talks about cueing, right? So putting yourself in certain situations and also removing yourself from situations that might allow you to fall into maybe a bad habit. Right. Um, that was uh, it's a really really a great book um I, I enjoyed reading that one so that would be a recent one so dan what about a um okay here's one and you're you're pretty much an open book so probably everyone sure. knows something about you but what's something about you that people in rossford or people in the education world don't know about you uh, we talked about the dj thing right um which is pretty good <laughs> one time it's funny we were we took the kids when the old sports arena we and and chris always says you know your dad ran off with the and joined the circus i got called out to do this thing with uh ringling brothers once but no i think it's really um if you're t i'm you know i i love being around people and i love talking and i love interacting but i'm i'm kind of a private person to be honest with you i mean so if you had to describe yourself you'd be an introvert yeah 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 you know we do different um personality uh, inventories and no matter which one i do it, it does come back that way that i'm a bit more of an introvert i uh when i when you self-evaluate right and you think about i'm i am i uh i prefer to be at home with with the kids and chris and and whatever i um I enjoy being with people. I want to yeah. uh, emphasize that. But I really uh, I value uh, quiet time, private time, time to myself, time to think. I really like to think. Yeah. Um, and so that would probably maybe be a part that not everybody knows about Because me. you're so expressive in your job. You have to be visible. You have to be out. And you have to be right. extroverted in the way you communicate. Right. Yeah. But right. You, you can be an introvert in this role, but it just requires you to. Yeah. 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 And so there's great value on both ends. You know, you want you want input and feedback from the people yeah. you interact with. That's important. But uh, also, um, you know, being reflective is also important to to review what your thought process was, what it is, where you want to go, maybe situations that you may have stumbled. Uh, and where you can strengthen it, 
So taking uh, self-inventory is really important. Yeah. So. All right, so let's delve into music, all right? We could spend the whole time with music with you. I know, and it's, maybe we'll do uh, just a music uh, episode with you, Dan. Did you ever play an instrument? Never did. Can you sing? No, oh, not at two. all. Oh, so two. where did the music, so, love of music come from? You know, around the house, growing up, uh, brothers and sisters had great album collections um my mom loved to listen to music we had this uh sony record player mm. stereo system that you know when when the folks left the house big we console <laughs> like a big console <laughs> no it was actually the independent oh, speakers okay, but it. it was nothing that was uh you know overwhelming by any stretch but we used to see how far we could stretch it um when they were away which wasn't terribly often but uh we would, uh, there was just great selections of music from, you know, my brothers and sisters listening to Around the House. And then all of my friends, as we were growing up, had great interest in music. And so that's where the love of music really, you know, just all the different things, the different places it could take you, the different emotions it could control, yeah. the different everything. It just seemed to be just the greatest thing. Yeah. Let's do a musical profile for you. Okay, I'm going to throw out some questions, and let's see how you do. You can wave off anyone that <laughs> you need to think about. It's probably gonna, you're probably going to lock up because you have too many <laughs> options. It's harder to pick, yeah, know, if you say, so what's your favorite? Or, that's hard. Just, it has to be like in your top ten, right? So don't, it we're not going to hold you to it. We just okay. want to get a profile of you, and I think it's going to be a great one. So what's the first song that you remember liking? I remember um, a song by the Steve Miller band called Jungle Love right. on uh, Book of Dreams was the album, or is the album, I should say. And uh, that introduction to that song was one that I vividly remember um, with the whistling and the whole bit, right? And In fact, I spent a lot of time with uh, my grandmother also growing up, and uh, would do chores for her and uh, when the Woodville Mall was was still there she took me over there and said you can pick out whatever you want to do and I I wanted to get Steve Miller book of dreams she didn't value that at all <laughs> kept trying to talk me out of it but uh, that was the first album also that I remember buying and just playing to death was Steve Miller, Book of Dreams. Jungle Love would be the song. Great song. Yeah. Steve Miller's still touring. Yeah, still touring. yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly so, but putting out great music, right? What about a song that reminds you of your Rossford High School days as a student? You know, um, there was a song, is a song called Tainted Love by the group Soft Cell that uh, I think they were a one-hit wonder. But I remember them because when I was getting my driving hours to get my license, that would always come on the radio. <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily a song I loved or anything, but it definitely reminds me of those years. Um, I also, you know, remember um, ACDC Back in Black oh, big was album. released then, and that album was just, is just amazing and uh, me and my buddies a friend of ours uh, lived here in town and he did have a great stereo system 
And uh, I remember taking that out of the sleeve and putting that thing on, and we would play that <laughs> at blistering decibels over and over and over. So that that was great. Still is. Right? Forty years later. It's oh great, my right? gosh! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Dan, what about a uh, artist or album you played the most? You mentioned the, the Steve Miller one, but is there one that? I think probably the one that comes to mind anyways, right, because you said in your top ten, would likely be U2's Joshua Tree. Mm. So, um, again, uh, you know, I was at Wittenberg University. A good buddy of mine is a fellow huge U2 fan. And um, when that was released, you know, we got together and put that on, and that was just something that was so in my mind, so fresh, right. so different, um, that just played that thing over and over mm. and over and over. And still sure. occasionally, right? I almost burned it out, right? Yeah. Have you done that with, with something, yes. right? You play it so much. Um, I think you introduced me to the song Running to Stand Still. Yeah. Because I had never heard that. And I remember when we were working together, you threw that out there, and that is powerful song yeah yeah really deep 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 meaning there and uh again when you just hear that you when you think about how did they put this together you know the wonderment behind how they make music and write music and lay all the pieces in there to come together it's i think that's awe-inspiring i just am blown away by that process that they must go through you know Dan, what about a song that fires you up, gets your energy going? (laughs) There's a thousand of those probably. Oh, yeah. You know, I always think of ACDC, Thunderstruck. Um, You know, uh, a lot of music by The Who uh, was another favorite group growing up. They played a lot of great music. Um, You know, those were probably the ones that, that, that jumped to mind. I, you know, we talked a little bit about one uh, recently from the Marcus King band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that group is really setting it on fire too. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what where are they, they from? Where, where's their back? What's their backstory? I'm not exactly sure. To be honest with you, Chris turned me on to them. Christy. She had them on a playlist and uh, I heard them. And at first I was like, it, it would play. And I'd say, who is that again? Who, who, you know, um, and she said, that's a Marcus King band. And I was like, whoa, they're good. They're good, uh, yeah. Yeah. Alabama Shakes, they have some great moves, yes. you know, great songs. So um, depending on, you know, what um, – I'll tell you a song that I think of often, too, is Fleetwood Mac's The Chain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for whatever reason, that was a, a, a an album, the Rumors album, Um my sister, my older brothers and sisters had it home, and they played that a lot. And for whatever, you know, I I just love that album as well. That's a great one. What so. about a song that chills you out? Huh. Uh, Night Swimming by R.E.M. Oh, man. Yeah. Is probably one that I would I would point to can really, you know, chill me out. I, I love, love, love that song. You're a big REM fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, a group that I discovered at Wittenberg. Um, uh, I remember moving into the dorms and hearing this music that I'd never really heard before. And I was was asking uh, friends, like, who is that? They're like, that's REM, right? (laughs) 
And I okay, I got some learning to do here. Um, and then incidentally, they they played at Wittenberg University. I can't remember if it was the Murmur Tour or Fables of the Reconstruction, one of those, but Michael Stipe at that time was still singing primarily with his back to the audience. And there were probably maybe only, I'm guessing, maybe five, 600 students there. Total enrollment at Witt at the time was around 2,400, I think. And to see them right there, and they just... Man, they were phenomenal. And immediately I became then an REM fan and still am. When did Michael Stipe eventually turn around and start singing? <laughs> <I> <laughs> at that know, point, he was just had the back to the crowd. Yeah, yeah, by and large. And, you know, where he always had a hood up. Yeah. Um, the stage was very dark overall. You know, it was very, it wasn't well lit. There wasn't a whole lot of, uh, they were just getting started, of course. Right. So their production was pretty small. But, um yeah, that was amazing. You know, we saw uh, we saw in excess before they really exploded on the scene. I saw them at Wittenberg as well, same setting where um, didn't really. I knew a little bit more about them on their Shabu Shabai album, right. but then uh, they took off and were just phenomenal music. So yeah, well, we've already established that you can't sing, but <laughs> if you were going to do a karaoke song and say you did have a good voice. What what would you be willing to well, do? Well, I was, I was be in a, let's say you're not in a Rossford district. You're somewhere out of town and someone says you're going to karaoke. May, maybe I could pull off uh, Rolling Stones waiting on a friend, right? Nice. That's uh that's one that uh, I love that song. Yeah. I lo- I love the you know, just kind of the laid back it's a nature bluesy, of that. Kind of laid, yeah. yeah, kind of a yeah. laid back, yeah. So that that might be one I would pick that I could possibly pull off <laughs> okay this is another one that's going to probably freeze you up but a memorable concert experience i have to pick one I'll, I'll do two real quick how's that you could do as many as you want so one um saw uh you two on their unforgettable fire tour in the form of joe lewis arena with my brother david he had the tickets he drove me up there we were it was terrible weather I remember that, and he had this uh, 68 Chevy Impala that would backfire, but he managed to get us to that show, and um, we had great seats. They were behind the stage, but they were, you know, you could see the band over the top of the the stacks, and that was a great show. They just tore it up. The other one that I remember going to, me and some friends here, went to see the who and we had infield tickets and it was at the old um cleveland stadium oh boy and uh man pete townsend and roger and the company they were on fire that night and we had you know we we were standing on the infield the atmosphere was phenomenal everybody was totally into the music and it was really loud (laughs) it was a great show so you're, yeah. you're a great fan of live music. Yeah. You know, if there's a live music anywhere in the area, you're most likely, if your schedule allows, you're <laughs> going to go. <laughs> Would love to. Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. right. This is a, a bonus question here. What um, What's the best concert you saw this week? Ah. <laughs> you know, we saw The Pretenders. Yes. Um, 
at the shelter in Detroit. Talk which, about that experience. I was right next to you, uh, so I can fact check you. Brad, let's just say it. I think it set the bar, I mean, for any future shows. When you have a legendary group like that playing B-sides, right, deep cuts, yep. in the intimate setting that that was, uh, the shelter, as you remember, is very small, below you know, St. Andrews grade. Hall. Yep. Yeah. In Detroit. Oh, about man, in Detroit, like the home people. of rock. Yep. Yeah. And there is this legendary Chrissy Hine was just remarkable. Um, and she's, you know, standing there 10 feet, would you guess, yes, maybe? Right. You know, singing with uh, the same ambition and power and and passion that I think she always has. And, you know, I, yeah. I mean, and the guitarist she had on tour with her, guy was lights out, the whole band was, but he, that guy could play. Wouldn't yes. you agree? So yeah. I don't know how you get any better than that. I know. Um, arena shows are great, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over them, if you right. will. Right. Because so much gets lost in the music and the translation with just milling about and everything else, people, and just it's so cavernous. Um, and this setup was ideal. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was a really monumental musical experience. And everyone around us were really big into music. Yeah. Every, everyone had a story as far as why they came. Yeah. And Weren't you talking to some people that came from New, New Orleans? Orleans? Yes. <laughs> They've been following the pretenders for 40 years, and, and they weren't touring anywhere close to them so they they had never been to detroit so they came to detroit and well and it was all about the music it yeah. wasn't about promotion it wasn't yes. about you know this thing that can happen to rock bands it was just yeah, it was it was just the music it was the music yeah. like let's let's you know they came out and from the opening song they just cut it it was all right i think we should break some some news here so at that opening after that opening song, mm -hmm. I noticed during that song that Chrissy Hine was upset. Mm -hmm. And she was upset because the people in the front row, which is a natural tendency now in every concert, they took their cell phones out and were filming her or taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And she was waving them off. And then when she got done mm -hmm. with that first song, I th that exchange that she what she expressed mm -hmm. i i've never experienced anything like that she basically dressed down the crowd correct for put your phones away enjoy the moment and you're messing me up now there was some profanity laced in there mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we had this kind of rocker first start it went to dead silence because we got chewed out as an audience. <laughs> yeah. And so I've never seen anything like that. And then later on she came back and said, she kind of just said, hey, you guys can take pictures. It just, it freaked me out when I came out because mm -hmm. it was a small setting. It wasn't a yeah. big arena like she's doing with Guns N' Roses right now. Right. But that one I'm still processing. That whole. <laughs> Agree 100%. Um, you know. But and, and we're breaking it here because we haven't seen a review. There was no <laughs> reporter in there. There was no, no one's reporting on <laughs> this except there was 400 of us that go, what just happened? <laughs> it, and it, it, the, the momentum of the show picked right back up, but it was such a 
lightning bolt that happened after a lightning bolt entrance. We could talk about that, just that moment, right, for a long time. Yeah. But I think that is just, again, a legendary, skilled performer that that uh, knew exactly what she wanted, where yeah. the focus needed to be. Yep. I mean, I think at one point, you know, she even said, I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? This is about the music. This is yeah. about the band, right? Yeah. Let me get my head, head in the moment where so – she obviously has a process where she's getting into that yeah. the zone as we say yeah. right and then um and then like you said just picked it right back up um where it took off with the energy of the music yeah. um even a little bit later in the show right the lights were bothering her you mm-hmm. could tell and she said i can't see the fans yeah that were right. that were farther back and she said can you turn those down or move them aside? Which so now she's talking to the lighting crew yeah. over the over her fan base, which was pretty cool. But it's like, and then she said, "Can you see me all right? Right? Can yeah. you still see me? Because now I can see you." Yes, it was a great moment. You know, yes, it was a great and moment. so I think that uh, spoke to her. Um, you know, the importance of what she wanted that show to be about. Yeah, and and she has now um, the ability to do that. So I. I kind of I admired her for taking control of everything. She just took control of the setting, the music, the fans, everything. And, and now let's, this is what we're here for. Listen to this. Yes. And to throw our good friend Tom Hustler, uh, just a little spotlight on him, <laughs> I'm sure he could contribute to this. Thing. Sure he could. But He's not here to defend himself. If you, right? if you recall from a couple of days ago, he wore a Kent State shirt. Yeah. And he wore a Kent State shirt because, obviously, Chrissy Hind is from that area. And yeah. He was hoping to get, like, some type of shout-out from her. Yeah. And it didn't happen, uh, but he gave it a good effort. He sure did. He, he sure did. And we, we had some fun, right? He's a, He was a good sport about about it i haven't i haven't connected with him yet but you know there's a picture of uh chrissy hine where she has this stare out into the <laughs> audience and i'm I, i'm gonna tell him tom i'm pretty sure she was she, she saw, was, the kent she state saw that kent state shirt yeah. and was was connecting with kent state right yeah. she did go when she played uh you know talked about all her high roots mm-hmm. and everything so she uh she did reference that she so, did. so she maybe did. that's a win right it is a win so <laughs> a great experience it was great to be there with you and Tom. yeah and it, a lot of times the concert experience is the people you're there with mm-hmm. and so i think we'll be talking about that for that experience for a long time last music question um what would be your walk-up song <laughs> or you walk in song. You come into a board meeting that song, or oh or you boy. come into a an administrative meeting or a school, or or if you're walking up to the plate at Fifth Third Field, what would it be? Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I think of introductory chords, right? So maybe uh, the Doors, um, "Love Me Two Times," mm-hmm. right? The beginning of that, or uh, how about um, Rush, "Working Man." Oh man, that might be the one that resonates with me the most. Um, the intro to that that song is phenomenal but uh I, I love that intro as well um you know all the obvious ones you know you got thunderstruck and all yeah. those from uh right uh acdc but yeah i think maybe it'd be it'd be rush's working man oh my gosh you mentioned the opening riffs when i um had a similar conversation with joe napoli he says the key to every walk-up song is that first 10 seconds yeah <laughs> Yeah, and there's no vocals in that, right? right? It's, yeah. yeah. So if you think of that, I'm always looking for songs in that first 10 to 15 seconds right. and rating it 
possibility of walk-up song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, the, your musical, you have a very eclectic and a very um, e- energetic um, musical lexicon <laughs> and, and warehouse, and um, we'll take this offline and continue on with the music. Yeah. A yeah. couple big-picture questions to kind of bring the Dan Krupp story into port. Mm-hmm. Um, if there were mulligans in life, what decision, interaction, situation would you use that mulligan on? Hmm. You probably haven't made any mistakes. Or oh, anything, my any, gosh. Any, you kidding? No, I've made no regret. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no we're back regret. to that. How do I pick which one, right? <laughs> pick the top ten mulligan, Dan. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I think in one, you know, I wish I'd recognized, uh, education as a career choice sooner. Mm. Um, I think that would be, that would be one of them. Um, you know, I, I really, I, I've had, I've really had a great run. So, and, and I'm looking forward to the future. Um, you know, probably, uh, uh, sometimes I've been, you know, pretty strict with our kids, um, uh, you know, and maybe I thought, yeah, maybe, you know, I've gone a little bit too strong where I, instead of hearing them out, I guess what I'm yeah. getting at, right, where um, I've maybe jumped to a conclusion on, um, made the decision for them where I should have probably been a little bit more patient when they were growing up and maybe heard their version um, and then kind of worked with that sure. instead of, uh, I think, um, you know, uh, when the kids were young, I, I think perhaps sometimes I, I would take a mulligan on, you know, I just would jump too fast on this is what you need to do without recognizing their experiences are different. They're a whole different, right? So maybe that, that the brains aren't fully formed yet, right? Decision-making. Yeah. 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 And I, and I should have married Chris even earlier, (laughs) right? I ran a lot of risk waiting eight years there. And then, um, and of course, uh, she would say, well, it took you eight years to convince and she'd be right. Naturally. Right, right. <laughs> Dan, what are you most proud of? My family. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's goes without saying I'm, I'm most proud of, uh, you know, our marriage and our kids and even my brothers and sisters. Um, and, um, you know, my in-laws, we, I'm very proud of, of the family and the roots and where I come from. And, uh, those things are very important to me. I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Yep. What about Dan? Uh, what inspires and gives you hope? You know, if you talk to kids, students today, sometimes I think, Sometimes I think the youth in America gets a bad rap um, that individuals, you know, think they're lazy or they're unmotivated or what have you. And I'm, I have to tell you, I, I think we are in absolutely phenomenal hands. Kids today are so engaging, so bright, have so many awesome thoughts, um, care for one another right that i think sometimes the negative pitch drowns out uh and it's our uh responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen because the youth of today are they're phenomenal i mean that 
technology and what they can do, their thought process, um, I think is so advanced. I think it's more sophisticated than it's ever been. Um, and so that, that definitely, you know, gives me hope every day that we're working with kids that are going to go on to do tremendous things, yeah. you know. Thank, good. thank goodness you pivoted in education so you could experience that <laughs> firsthand, Dan. Thank yeah, goodness. yeah, yeah. But last question. How, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, boy, you know, I, 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 I think it goes back to maybe if I can just be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> Will I be? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't have any thoughts of grandeur on any of that. I just, uh, I just like to be thought of you know, as being an honest, responsible person that's uh, given every effort to his family and to his profession. And, uh, you know, every day gave it everything he had. Some days it may have been a little bit better than others, right? But, um, I, you know, I'm not a legacy guy or any of that. I just, I just want to um, be known for somebody that, much like the people I admire and respect, that, you know, you're going to, you're an honest person, you're hardworking and, you know, you're going to make every effort to make it right and do it right. That's kind of it. Yeah. That's a lot of it. That's wonderful. (laughs) That's a lot of it, Dan. Well, this conversation has been great, Dan. It's been a gift to me and I, our, our listeners, people that are aspiring leaders or actually in leadership roles or just community people, your family and your friends, I think are going to really enjoy kind of this deep dive into your career path and also your personal path and thank you for being such a genuine genuine person and um you're doing wonderful things as a superintendent and it's your ability to connect with people and you're really just your servant leadership part is this shines through dan so 10 years on the job here in rossford Mm -hmm. hope there's many more years um because there's great things happening here and it it's wonderful to call you a friend too well i appreciate you having me on number one i was looking at the list of leaders you've had on that is one impressive list right so this might be a b-side i kind (laughs) of joked right this is a deep cut um but um you know i don't think you get enough praise either and appreciation for all that you've done for me personally and professionally so i want to thank you for that uh and do really uh really treasure our friendship i think it's it's an important thing absolutely and and, uh thank you for all your direction and leadership i'm convinced that had you know i not encountered you at a certain point in my life um i wouldn't wouldn't perhaps have aspired and been able to reach the heights i'm reaching i'm still climbing but thank you yeah it's just been great so thank you my man